Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Good morning, Alan, and good morning to your listeners. At last, a bit of a change. You're here in studio with me, and you have some positive news to share with us this morning. So please go ahead and share it. Put us in good humour for, for the weekend. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great to be here, first of all, in person, Alan, but I'm really delighted today that we'll be announcing later on in the port uh, with representatives and stakeholders across the southeast, um, the full, uh, I suppose, programme of infrastructure works planned for the port over the next four to five years. The offshore wind officially launching our plan for the offshore wind. And just to put it, give some context to this, back in 2018, Alan, when I first came, um, Rossa Europort was, uh, let's say and be honest about it, we were struggling a little bit in regards to the operations and the business at the port, the investment at the port, the future direction of the port. And I suppose today is about uh, an accumulation of the plans that we worked with uh, uh, at the port with our stakeholders, with our board, um, with the local representatives. And today we're announcing uh, what is a substantial investment uh, of up to 350 million across a number of infrastructure projects with the opportunity, the real opportunity, with the offshore wind of the possibility of creating up to nearly 2,000 jobs for the southeast region. So a really positive day, a day where we're really signalling our intent, uh, our Israel and CIE, uh, of bringing Rosslair truly onto uh, a new level, not just a local, regional, but now a national port of importance, uh, and one that the whole of the southeast will be very proud of in years to come. Right, like let's look at it because there's a number of areas here because I have the press release in front of me and it says the offshore renewable energy hub represents an investment estimated at 200 million euro and will be aligned with existing developments and we'll go through those existing developments. The question is where's the money coming from? Is the money ring fenced? Are you are you confident that you have the money and what what you're announcing today can become a reality? Okay, so the, the offshore wind, uh, first of all, is, is um, we all know what the urgency on the climate crisis. Uh, that's happening uh, and we know that offshore wind uh, represents a major opportunity to divest out of traditional uh, fuel, uh, uh, diesel, uh, electricity and so forth like that uh, and move towards now a more sustainable uh, opportunity. We also know it's the government intent and it's well underway now with the planning process, the auctions that will be happening shortly, that there's going to be major development of offshore winds in the Irish and Celtic Sea. Uh, so we know that's happening and we know that there are multi-billion euro industries who are going to be part of that and the installation of those turbines uh, in both the Irish and the Celtic Sea. Rossley Europort is very unique in its location. We're about 60 nautical miles from a lot of those uh, wind farms. We're very different to other ports that we have the opportunity to both develop uh, in terms of our depth, reclaiming of land and providing the facilities with the offshore wind. So we've engaged extensively over the last 18 months. We've brought in a top team of experts in this area, both in the design, the environmentals, the planning and our own team as well. Uh, we've just about to appoint a, 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 a firm for financial uh, support and advice. This will be done on a commercial basis, um, i.e. Uh, we will secure contracts to generate uh, a business case 
to secure the money that's needed for the investment. We have made an application to Europe under the CEF application that was done in, in January. So there's up to 50% of funding available for studies and planning and then up to 30% for construction available there. Uh, but we will be raising the money ourselves and we have a lot of interest. Uh, energy projects like this are very sought after on the markets uh, and we believe we, we have a very strong business case uh, that will be brought forward to raise the money. We have to build this by 2026, by the way. This is not something that's 10 years away. This is something we're going through planning. We've already started the process. We'll be working with all the stakeholders, the local community, uh, and all people involved in this but we've all, we're already on the road on this so so um, we're very confident that we will raise the money needed it will be done on a commercial basis and we'll see a commercial return both to the port and to the exchequer Right, you also say the support of national and local government industry and tourism and there's a reference to uh, the uh, support of the port of Waterford as well Yeah. Uh, can you give me some more information on that please? Yeah, so we're talking about bringing the offshore wind to the southeast, so that's not just about. Obviously, the core infrastructure will be in the ports, where the offshore industry can obviously bring in the components, uh, the pre-construction, uh, the marshalling, and then the installation, and then the ongoing, what's known as the operations and maintenance. So there are many phases to the offshore uh, industry. Um, Rossley Europort, with the support of Waterford Port, by the way, will be the main investment hub to create what will be a national hub to support the offshore industry. Yeah. But equally for Waterford Port, there are opportunities here for what I would say is uh, associated activities. But the core infrastructure, the one that is needed to attract, and let's be very clear on this, currently today as we speak, Alan, there's no port in the Republic of Ireland that has the infrastructure uh, to be ready for 2026. Uh, we've spoken to all of the developers, so we're very clear on what the customer here is telling us what they need. They need a depth of about 11 metres. They need about 50 yeah. acres of reclaimed land. Yeah. They need a berth of about 350 metres. So we've gone through this in very fine detail with the developers who are going to be the, I suppose, the, the customer here. Um, the option, if, if Republic of Ireland doesn't have a port ready, will be that this potentially will go to Belfast or will go to a port in the UK. Um, and it's it's that activity that creates a lot of the jobs, first of all. The second element what's really important for the southeast is is that it's the whole area of the cluster then of activity that happens around the port. So you're talking about here, you're talking about jobs, enterprise, you're talking about education. Again, what's going to be really important today when we speak to the offshore industry people is they want to know what the southeast has to offer, apart from the port and the infrastructure and the guarantee that that be ready in 26 and the fact that Waterford can offer a contingency port in the southeast that's quite near where their operational hub will be, they're all really important. But then also what you want to know is about the skill set in the in the region. Yeah. You want to know for their staff a place to live, a place, uh, schools for their children. Um, it's not just about the port today. Uh, the port will be the driver because if we don't have the infrastructure in the port, you won't attract the industry in. You'll, you'll get some activity, but it won't be to the scale of this opportunity. And the, again, I, I, I consider this to be for the southeast the equivalent of what the, I suppose, the silicon is in Dublin or the pharma is in Cork. This is a very unique opportunity where you can create a national hub, create the expertise and the enterprise around that hub where the southeast can 
can then truly benefit through real jobs, through enterprise and through economic activity in the future. I've been down there with you. I've seen the positivity over the last number of weeks and months. I've seen the developments and uh, going back over the last two to three years, uh, we've been keeping our morning mix listeners very much up to date with this. But also elsewhere, I've been hearing of counterclaims or something like this from Cork. Are, are, are Cork still making a pitch for this? Are we competing against them? What's the position when it comes to the south of the country and Cork pitching for something like this? Where do we stand? Uh, is it a battle with them or what's the story? No, the, the reality is even with air facilities, so there's five gigawatts of, of uh, plant uh, of output from these turbines by 2030. That's, that's the first target by the government. Even with this facility, you're probably looking at generating about two and a half gigawatts of that five. So the message is no, we're not, it's not, we're not, we're not competing. Uh, who we're competing with is Belfast and UK. That's what it is. However, there will be a need for other ports to be developed to a certain level to support the uh, further projects as they emerge. However, what's key for us is the first lot of projects are going to be in the Irish and Celtic Sea. Um, we're not ready. Um, they're going to go somewhere else. Um, yeah. And that won't be Cork, probably. That'll probably be to Wales or to Belfast. Uh, and and what will happen then is, is that a lot of jobs will go to those locations. And what we're pushing and what we're bringing everyone together and we're talking about what we're bringing together today the politicians the four county councils the councillors uh, the education sector the business enterprise sector and the offshore sector and what we're doing today is showcasing the southeast to convince these developers that first of all even there and Irish uh, is committed to having this facility ready uh, we're going to go ahead with it and uh, we're going to have it ready i believe we're going to create a world-class facility here in ross Lair, one that the developers have told us they will want to use as long as it's de- delivered and built in time for them to use it um, and i'm sure we'll we'll get that done once we get them in and we can see projects uh, happening. It's like anything else. Um, you, you develop that expertise, you develop the name, reliability, uh, we, and we'll build on the infrastructure. Uh, and Waterford Port plays a role in that as well. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's really about the whole of the South East now coming together, Alan, because we are up against potentially other regions in Ireland for later stages of the projects that will emerge into the future over the next number of decades. These are facilities that are going to be built over the next 20 and 30 years. But if you can get in first, if you can get the industry in, the, what tends to happen is the industry then builds around and clusters around that region. Uh, and, and, and that's why it's so important that we, we get the Ross layer. We've got to get through planning. We've got to work with yeah. the local communities. We've got to work with the likes of the fishermen. We've got to work with lots of stakeholders. But ultimately, uh, this can really benefit the region. Uh, and that's what we're here about today. All right. Uh, you also mentioned it's going to be aligned to the existing developments that you and I last spoke about when we were in Ross layer. And I mentioned railty as well, because here we are this morning and already texts are coming in ask him about the rail uh, and I mean Aaron Road Aaron instinctively you think of rail has rail got a part to play in any of this? Yeah um, strangely enough I actually look after rail freight for, for Irish Rail as well as Ross Lair and we, we are embarking on a 500 million strategy for rail freight across the, uh, across, uh, the country Focus initially would have been on connecting some of the other ports that are already connected, enhancing those connections. But again with offshore, again with this development, um, we are now looking at the 
potential connection of rail into the new facility. Um, and if you think about that, that would be a spore off just before the port where we're talking about building this facility is down where the current small boat harbour is at the moment for the offshore. Uh, so it would be quite easy and we are now looking at that. I suppose the other element is the Waterford to uh, Rosslare rail line. We know that's uh, not in operation at the moment. We know there's talk about uh, the uh, talk between a greenway and a railway. My preference would be obviously to see the reinstatement of rail. We have a very, very supportive Green Minister and uh, a very supportive, I'd say, Irish Rail Board at the moment looking at expanding rail. So that's a real possibility. The other obviously works that are happening in the port shouldn't go unnoticed, Alan, because with the new port access road, with the new border control posts coming inside the port with the other master works that we've already committed to and our digitalisation plan you're, you're probably talking in the region of 150 million investment which is already secured um, where work will commence uh, at the latest probably this August on that um, but that with the offshore you're talking about in excess of 350 million mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure you're going to see investment of that magnitude uh, in the southeast, uh, in many other areas um, that could create that number of jobs uh, and where you think we were we were back in 2018 um, where we, we were being challenged and we were talking about trying to get investment of 5, 10, 15 and 30 million here today we're talking about investment of 350 million of which already 150 is secured of which the next 200 we are very confident having yeah. spoken to the industry and spoken to finance people in the industry as well we're very confident that that money will be raised as well let's just uh, summarize it all then so 2000 jobs how many of those uh, some of them in the build how many permanent jobs do you think will there be and in what areas could they be in yeah it's it's alan like it's 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 difficult to say i mean you're, you're definitely talking about a lot of jobs obviously jordan construction and then you're obviously talking about growth in the port naturally, and we've seen a lot of jobs already created even with Brexit, while other parts of the country were, were, were maybe feeling the pinch of Brexit. We saw a growth of a couple of hundred jobs in, 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 in Rosslare. The offshore wind, is this, is this is on a different level altogether. I mean, this is truly transformational, and there are many, there are many examples around Europe, around the world, of regional areas, of ports that have been developed, and the cluster of industries that follow. Just think about it, even the components at the moment. Nearly every component for these turbines will be coming in from across Europe or, or somewhere else around the world. Um, I was in Cherbourg last year, or the year before last actually, uh, where they are now commencing their offshore uh, uh, facilities in that port and development offshore. And some of the components now are being manufactured in the cluster region around Cherbourg now. So so those jobs are real. During the construction, by the way, there are two different elements of construction. We're talking about the physical construction jobs with building the 350 facilities that we're talking about but then you're talking about the construction phases of the offshore wind and the turbines which are quite substantial where the physical turbines have to be uh, pre-constructed have to be installed and then you go into a phase what's known as uh, ongoing operations and maintenance and right through all of those phases there are jobs um, and there are long-term jobs because what happens then at the end of 20 years is the we, the turbines have to be then, re, new turbines have to be put in and the whole process starts again. Right. Um, and as I said, along the southeast, what's really key is uh, in the Irish and Celtic Sea, Rosslare Europort is the closest port, just as we were for Brexit, closest port to Europe. Look, look what happened there. We went from six sailings a week to now to over 30 sailings a week. We're going to be the closest port to the offshore. So for me, 
me, it just makes sense that if we build the facility, it will absolutely be utilised. Okay. And with that will come the jobs, I've no doubt. So Glenn, to put it mildly, as you break this news here on South East Radio and inform the listeners to South East Radio and the County of Wexford what is happening, this is a landmark day, isn't it? And you've, you're calling for a collective approach where every single person that you've mentioned there in the various groups dons the purple and gold jersey and drives us on for Wexford. Absolutely, Alan. When I came here first, I was taken to task, and rightly so. Taken, I would say, taken to task. Even though I, 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 I I'm not carrying the historical bar- baggage of the port, but we were challenged to put Rossley Europort front and centre in terms of development and investment. We're doing that here today, and we're not just doing it in a small way. We're doing it with one of the biggest investments that not just the port has ever seen or I think the region will ever see. So this is a very historical moment and one which is going to be truly transformational and one that's going to happen because we have our plan and permission for all the first phases of the uh, of our master plan, the board inspection post, I know the, the new port access road is going through the final planning. We're going through the planning for the uh, offshore wind and I wouldn't of course, at this point, would not comment on that process. We have to make sure we get through that process. Um, but it will require then the combined effort of the southeast. Because, Alan, you know, with these projects as well, you'll always you'll have people that will be for and people that will be against. What we've got to make sure is is that, however, that at the offshore, and it's going to go ahead, that we've got to make sure that the region benefits. Uh, and the best way for the region to benefit is through economic activity and through jobs. So we got to just make sure we can get the planning through for Rossley Europlor. We need to make sure then that we get it built on time. That's going to be mine and the Board of Irish Rail's responsibility, along with other key stakeholders, and making sure that will happen. I've no doubt the offshore wind developers will play their part in coming and using and committing to that facility. Um, and then we need the likes of the educational sector. We'll need the schooling. We'll need the, the homes or the staff that will be working uh, in these facilities. And we do need the whole of the southeast to come together because uh, uh, there's a huge amount to offer here. Um, at the end of the day, the, we're going to do our bit, um, but we can't do it on our own. But I'm really optimistic, as always. I've always gotten great support from everybody, both here at the radio station, both with the business community, the local community, both with the politicians and the county councils. Um, I've always gotten great support. Um, but today is truly historical, um, and I wouldn't underestimate the scale of what we've just announced or and will be formally announcing uh, later on here today. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.